You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that. Shut it off! Shut the video off! What a yoga! <laughs> Welcome everyone to Season 2 Wayside Rugby Podcast. I'm back after a little hiatus. Um, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Ed, Tom, and Adam. After having listened to the last few podcasts, I'm going to learn from Ed's mistakes. I'm going to go, Adam, how are you doing? How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, very good. Happy to be here again, as usual. And spirits are very, very high. So I'm looking forward to this one. Tom? Yeah, I'm all right. Good. Man paints his words, doesn't he? And uh, Ed, you've had a bit of an emotional day today. I'm alive, mate. I'm alive. That's that's all that matters. Awesome. Right. Um, big, big weekend of rugby. Huge weekend of rugby. And uh, I think we'll start with the big game of the weekend. Two unbeaten teams. Oh, I thought you meant Blinden and Trondheim. I thought that was the... Uh, well, yeah, that's the second big game of the weekend. But we'll start with the big game of the weekend... The repeat of the last, how many, three finals, maybe? Four finals of the rugby, uh, Norwegian rugby, was uh, Adam Jones and his and his boys travelled over to, to Oslo to play Sargana. And, uh, and you won 12-5. How was, how was that? How was it beating Sargana? That must have been the first time for a while that you guys have, you guys have got one over on them. Yeah, no, it's, uh, when anyone feels good, but, yeah, this one felt particularly sweet. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a good game. Very, very hard game. Um, should I give a bit of a summary of the game, or do you want me to just say how it feels? I should, yeah, do a bit of a bit small match report, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So um, we started off. The pitch was uh, horrendous, to be honest with you. The, it was, it was pretty warm and it was dry on the day, but the pitch was a sodden. Uh, so we originally were, our plan was to kind of try and throw the ball out wide, but it became very evident very early on that that wasn't going to happen. Um, there was yeah quite a bit of water on the pitch. But yeah, anyway, we so we were going slightly downhill to start with in the first half, and uh, Sargana just threw everything at us uh, as usual. Uh, some big runs and some uh, we needed the boys fronted up in 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 defence, but they yeah they put us under a lot of pressure in the first half. And we were lucky um, that we only kept into sort of 5-0 at half time, So it was 5-0 up uh, against Sargana. Um, about 10 or 15 minutes in, we had two of our key players get get injured, uh, Carlos and uh, Benji, one playing nine, one playing 15. And uh, to be honest with you, at that point, I was just like, oh no, this is just not going to be our day. Um, they were dropping like flies and a couple of the guys were going down with injuries. The guys that we had on the, on the as name impact players on the bench, they... Uh, they were all carrying little knocks as well. So the guys that had to come on to replace them, we thought, oh no, here we go. So it was just going to be one of those days. But anyway, second half, we were going down, downhill slightly and um, we uh, decided that we were just going to try and put them under pressure by putting it in, uh, you know, putting their, their back three under pressure. I think they had two new wingers and a, a new fullback as well. So we were just testing them out. And um, yeah, uh, some individual brilliance from our number 10, Ian. 
uh, chip chip the ball over. It was actually supposed to be a, a, a crossfield kick, but he sliced it, but it bounced beautifully for him, and he went through and scored a try. Um, so that made it seven five, and then um, yeah, about twenty minutes later, he did a similar thing again, chipped it over, and, and went and scored again to make it twelve five. And the boys just, I was just so proud of the boys just putting in the big hits. We were kind of just nullifying everything that they had towards us. Fronted up in, uh, it was it was a massive forwards game. Um, Nick Sabi was exceptional as well. Um, led led from the front as a pack leader, and uh, as we uh, we so there, yeah, so it was just absolutely yeah, it was just mega. I mean, obviously, we, there's some horrible thoughts and uh, memories from the, the final last year when we we got beat just in the last minute, um, took the Premiership away from us in the last minute. But it was it was. Uh, yeah, it was it was sweet just to grind it out and and uh, finally get the W to go back back home with. So yeah, mate, it was uh, it was a big night. I was supposed to be not having too much too too many beers on Saturday, but when you when you have a win like that, it was just beer after beer after beer. I can't even remember what happened in the night, but uh, I know that I'm still feeling it this morning. So it must have been a great night. I can fill you in later, Adam, because I was with you for most of it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, but I don't remember that much about it. But um, yeah, apparently we're friends now, Ed, I think. Not just podcast. Apparently we are, mate. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's, it's a think, beautiful Um Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was down on the game. I couldn't make it up to Trondheim, unfortunately, for the Blinden game. And um, yeah, I think, you know, from watching on the sideline, you know, the first half, well, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I think your, your back's... You you could as you said yourself, you couldn't get the ball that wide. I think that's something that Sargona did actually pretty well um during the game. They were able to get the balls of their wingers and they did utilise them probably more than, than you would have uh, you would have hoped for. But as you said as well, like your fly half in the second half he had an absolute stormer. And I think for me what was really impressive watching the match is that second forty, you did not let them into the game at all. I think they must have spent about three or four minutes in your half um the entire half like you you entirely closed them off and um you know yeah Sargon had a two new wingers who actually put in good shifts to be fair to them and then they've got this new fullback who's a who's a Tongan guy and he he's a young Tongan like he looks young but he's really raw and Mm. he's someone who as you probably saw Adam like he just wanted to fight yeah Um, yeah so, yeah, he got he got a yellow card at some point in the second half, I think it was. I can't quite remember, but um, actually, no, it was the first half, in fact. But yeah, I think the way you you guys kind of came out in the second half really showed a lot of character, and um, you know that I'm going to say the word that Tom hates above all all others, which is the mentality that you showed in the second half was incredible. <laughs> well we probably got an extra 15 percent because everybody's mentality was one percent extra exactly that's exactly what happened out of that's the only reason you won by by seven points um yeah no it was a great it was a great game by you guys um especially in that second half for sure you really closed them down and you you didn't give them a sniff anywhere across the pitch no and how was that. because usually the um Stavanger and Sargon games quite, shall we say, tasty. Um, how was uh, you like saying the game? The games were, were played in good spirits, don't you, Adam? How was the, how was the spirit of this one? Well, I think 
I think uh, there's always a bit of there's always a mutual respect the fact that, that we can't take it them for granted. Um, no matter what kind of twenty three they put out on the day, you just know they're going to come out as a unit and they're well drilled. Um, yeah, there was there was an incident at the end which I won't go into too much, but we 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 stood there and waited for a tunnel which didn't happen. But obviously they were a bit annoyed that they didn't win because um, they're not used to it. So. We just decided to go to the end of the pitch and sing our song, which we know they don't like. Uh, but it's just like I said, it's just a good, good, healthy rivalry, which we kind of were stirring the pot a little bit. But uh, all it's 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 it all stays on the pitch. At the end of the day, we all went out together and had beers, and uh, we did our own awards and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was it was it was a good a good exhibition of rugby at the end of the day. Um, I just yeah, hopefully we can have a proper tunnel at the next the, the next game. I think one one person I'd like to call out actually from Sargana, who I think had a really great game was uh Yerai, the hooker. Um he he had an absolute stormer of a game. He carried really well, his line outs were good. Um He's a good yeah. player. He's a really good player. He is, he is. Um yeah, I think he got their man of the match actually. But I, I did go up to him afterwards in, in, in the bar, like much later in the evening. I said, like, yeah, you you definitely deserved it. Cause he had a he had a stormer and so did I think Paskey played well. Um, yeah, they they are some good players on the pitch, but as I said, that overall, like especially that second force, you just you didn't give them a look in anywhere. Which was yeah, Ira Ira's a bit of a legend because I don't know if you know, but Ira did a season here in Stavanger. Yeah, he did. Always, so he's still he's still in our um, he's still in our lads 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 group, and his nickname is Dreambreaker because he's the one who scored the try in the last minute in the final last year. Stavanger uh, <laughs> played, so his name is Dreambreaker. Uh, we, I think we need to get him out of that lads, lads, lads group, to be honest, because we do discuss a lot of tactics in there. But he's a good guy. He, he put up two of our players for this weekend as well, and uh, he was out there. He was there until the early hours of the morning, drinking with us. He's he's a top bloke. He's a he is a really good guy. And he had yeah, think, I said he had a stormer. I don't think we'll get into into where you were in, in the early hours of the morning, Adam. My missus doesn't listen to this anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> But um, it was good. I mean, I I, I, I was I because I thought, like I said, we 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 drove over with seven of us in the car, and I was really tired from work, and I was just like, boys, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I, I can't be bothered to talk to you, so I just put the pod on in the car and made them listen to last week's pod, which was quite good. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, right, you you all you've all got to get on the uh, on the the, the 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 fantasy league now. So hopefully we had seven extra extra people on our fantasy league because of that. I just made them, you know, listen. What 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 I found hilarious is when I when I joined you guys in the pub afterwards, there was a couple of the Stavanger boys and your coach Michael I'd not met before actually, and when he realised I was one of the guys on the podcast, he was like, he was like, ah oh, mate, are you that annoying can? <laughs> I was like, no, that's Tom. He was like, ah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the comic relief, literally, like the amount of times that like, people were like, oh thank God you're not that other one, and they were all referring to Tom. Guys, and just for yourself there. Yeah, I just think that's a bit rich coming from the ref basher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stud, you in there, mate? No comment. Um, so, I mean, what does this back to the back to the rugby and 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 stuff? How you've obviously just come back from training. How how's how's the feel at training now? What's the? I mean, I know you you said at the start of the season that your goal was to win the league and um. And what does that do going going to Oslo and and, and beat Saga? 
albeit maybe not like the first first choice Sargana team, um, but still a, a, a bloody good Sargana team and, and winning away. What does that do for the rest of your season? Well, yeah, good. I mean, I think, well, we we didn't have our full strength team either. We we had probably about seven, maybe eight players that could easily have a starting shirt for us. Um, so what was most pleasing for me was the guys that are kind of like on the fringes or, are, you know, I don't want to say on the fringe because everyone's part of it, but guys who you wouldn't expect to put in certain types of performances all stepped up, um, which I thought was really pleasing. Uh, one thing that I admire about Sargner, to be honest, is that they can put people in and they all know the system. And that kind of happened with us th- this week. Um, we put guys in that wouldn't normally play. There was a guy, Emil, who's only just uh, started playing uh, this season, actually. And uh, he... He's been playing front row, but then had to go at uh, flanker t- this weekend and did an, an awesome job. A guy called Michael, Danish Michael, is probably one of the most improved players for us. He he was playing at second row, uh, Norway plays front row as well, and he, he had an absolute stormer. So, I mean, <clears throat> I've just come back from training, but I didn't actually train myself because I picked up a bit of a ding on my shoulder, so I kept it. But um, <laughs> as a way of saying thank you, Chinny had them all doing Bronco Busters. So it's Broncos, but every time you do one Bronco, you have to do 10 push-ups, 10 burpees, and 10 sit-ups. Uh, so we absolutely beasted them because uh, we were, we were, yeah, I mean, I think what got us, got us through it was our fitness. Obviously, we've been playing a lot of sevens, but um, we're now, now we're just going to just focus on keeping that fitness because I think that's what's really made us. When we've got the last 20 minutes, we've always got another gear. Uh, so we're just going to try and get fitter and fitter and fitter and then come come the finals we're going to be good but yeah I think um, uh, yeah Sargano they, they're always the one that we look to beat but I think uh, they're going to have a they're going to have it's going to be a good game against them at Bergen now having played Bergen and Sargano now which are two tough games um, I think uh, I know Bergen are, are travelling very well to Sargano their, their game which is coming up and it's going to be an interesting game because Sargano have got to win all their games basically now um, so it puts a bit of pressure on them and takes relieves a bit of pressure from us. So we can just look forward now to to focusing on on Trondheim firstly, just iron out some of the things that we needed to iron out against Trondheim, and then we look forward to the to the final. So building towards that now. Uh, so things are in in a nutshell things things are going to plan. Uh, but you know, uh, you, you, we just got to put the work in now. How do you feel about that, Tom? You went and you've got your biggest win for a number of years away at Sargana, come back to training on Tuesday and then you get forced to do Broncos plus push-ups. I'd quit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would. I'd quit straight away and handle that. I don't know if this junior bloke is, but he sounds like a nut job. (laughs) After all that talk last week of you don't actually need to... uh, do specific fitness for rugby. You can just play rugby to get fit. He wasn't listening to that podcast, was he? No. And Bronco isn't specific to rugby. I never run to like 20 metres, then turn around and run 20 metres back and then run 40 metres forwards and then 40 metres back. It's got nothing to do with rugby. But yeah, anyway. Once me and Tom did, uh, we did a Bronco before training because people, Theo was doing Broncos and stuff before training. And I thought, oh, we'll get we're getting on this. And me and Tom decided to do one before training, and we jogged it. And it took about <laughs> took about ten minutes. And we thought, yeah, go on then. We've done fitness for the before training with this one. It counts. 
the second big game of the weekend, the mighty Blindern went up to Trondheim. Again, it was it's it's been tough for us. Well, I guess there's not us anymore. I'm down in Christiansand now, but it's been tough for the the boys this year with the schedule and 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 the away trip. But um, well, we don't need to sugarcoat that. It's been shit. Ed, you've got a kind of match report yeah. from from that game. It ended. What was it? Twenty two six. Twenty twenty six six. Twenty six six. Yeah. So Ben, as I said, I couldn't make it, but Ben sent me a little report this morning. Yeah, so 26-6, the halftime score was actually 6-0 to Blinden. So we got two penalties in the first half. So the the report goes basically, you know, game-wise, it started pretty well. Kind of everything played within the two 22s. Apparently, we stopped, we, we dominated the play in the middle of the park. And, you know, we were kind of going up the middle quite a lot. And we spent a lot of the first half camps in their 22. But I think, ultimately, we just couldn't take advan- advantage and we couldn't finish. And then, yeah. Uh, we got we got two penalties out of it, which we scored. So that was it going into halftime, 6-0 up. Second half was even, apparently. And then I think when Trondheim scored two two tries, and then I think after the second, our, our heads went down a little bit. And then following on from that, yeah, the biggest issue from what, I've, from what I've been told was the fitness, especially in the last 20. So I think Trondheim scored most of their points in the last kind of 15, 20 minutes. And... Yeah, our fitness showed. We only had kind of two or three uh, replacements on the bench, all of whom were forwards. So yeah, not enough bodies on the pitch or fresh bodies on the pitch. Hot weather, not probably lacking a bit of fitness. So yeah, and I think shout out to Ben who who made a, a comeback. He came, Ben came onto the pitch in the second half and I think he lasted four minutes or three minutes before Duncan, our hooker slash prop, uh, injured Ben's foot, so then Ben had to come off again. <laughs> so Ben came on four minutes later. He was off. Yeah, pretty much, or three minutes even. Yeah, good return to action for Ben then. Yeah, so I think he got uh, dick of the day for that, or well, Ben got dick of the day for that, even though it should have been Duncan. But yeah, I think you know ultimately just just the fitness. We we didn't travel with a with a with two stronger squads, to be totally honest as well. Uh, we were missing quite a lot of players. You know, so Will Will moved from nine to ten, but apparently he had a he had a great game, as did Espen at fullback. Jules, our forward, was debuting at number nine. Bergamasco. Bergamasco style, exactly. And he I think the nine jersey was actually so small, Jules had to wear nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I, which I thought was pretty funny. So yeah, I think you know, good effort. I think first sixty, we probably took it. Uh, but I think after that, obviously, it just just went down a little bit. But we're you know now we're looking forward to you know getting back to training and you know unfortunately we can't we can't go to Stavanger this weekend purely because of numbers. I mean, as I said, you know, and I'll keep saying it, the scheduling has been absolutely dog awful for us this year. So three consecutive away games in three weekends uh three consecutive weekends is not good financially mentally physically everything like you know people have families people are students people have got jobs so yeah the scheduling's really kind of messed us around a little bit so unfortunately we're, we're pretty gutted not be able to go not to be able to go to Stavanger but yeah Bergen next weekend and if we can put in a performance against Bergen then we'll we'll have a chance against that third fourth place playoff and uh we can hopefully hopefully do a job in that so yeah uh some good positives to take away some things to work on 
Um, and again, I'm not I'm not making excuses. You know, like say Trondheim probably deserved to win, but we, uh, you know, this this season is really killing us in terms of traveling. Unfortunately, I mean, Adam, you could probably from a different club's perspective, you can probably you know shine some light on it as well. But as as a as a season that we have we have four games and then five with with the final. The fact that they played the four games, I think for everyone basically has played over four weeks or five weeks. And that's our whole season is in a month. It just seems quite strange. How how are your boys feeling about that? And what's the kind of consensus among among a different club? I, I, I don't know who's accountable for it, but I think it's absolutely stupid. I think it's... I, I, I really feel for Blinden how certain clubs can only have one travelling away and others have three. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, we've got we've got four games, and like you said, why are they being played within five weeks? You know, that's how injuries happen. You know, you you, mm. you haven't played for so long, and then all of a sudden you're going full bore week in week out. It takes a couple of it takes a couple of games to get get your body back back used to playing rugby again, and then you're expected to on top of that, expected to pay. I mean, we'd, we 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 struggled at the weekend, and we've only got two away games. You know, um, so mate, Matt. My heart goes out to you because looking at you boys at the at the Oslo Sevens, especially, like I was thinking, Jesus, Blinden are looking really good. I said this, I think I said this to you, uh, what we one of the first pods that came on. Some of the players you've got, absolutely amazing. But to, to have that done to you, three away games in a row, there's not many, there's not many teams that could do that. You know, I'm, so I, I'm not gonna, I, you know, I'm not gonna go out and call individuals out or anything like that, and you know. It's when the scheduling was first released. Apparently, Blinden had a we had an opportunity to kind of reply to it and give our give our thoughts. Um, I think this was in in the period where we were transitioning between presidents. Um, but you know, when I like I I I did send an email to them just just one or two months ago, and I said like, you know what? Yes, we could have had a we had an opportunity to maybe say something about it, and we didn't, and that's our fault. But also an element of common sense has to come into play when organizing these games. Like from the people scheduling it, there has to be an element of common sense, right? They need to look at that and be like, mm, yeah, Blinden, three consecutive weekends. That Let's give them three away games. That's good. right? No one can do that. Like we're amateur rugby. People have got families. People work on weekends. We have students in the team. We have people who might not be high earners. So like how are we meant to afford all of that travel and it's and as you said Adam as well it takes you one or two weeks to kind of get the bodies going as well right so there's a risk of injury and we've we've had injuries we've had you know Johnson's out injured unfortunately we have another guy a new guy Angus is out injured there's a couple more so yeah we're, we're getting injuries we've got no kind of not none of the scheduling is in our favor also this is something that impacts all the clubs but a lot of our boys are going to the World Cup as well so we've put the season during the World Cup, where a lot of plays, a lot of our players are going to go and watch it, so we're without some of our key players. You know, for the next two games, we don't have like Will won't be here. I know Jules is going. We've got Guillaume who's away. We've got others who are going to games. So, and I know, I know that's going to be similar across all the clubs, but there's that it's a real lack of common sense that's gone into the planning for this season. I think, and you know, hopefully next year they can sort it out and I'm hoping to be kind of part of that committee that that does organize the scheduling and you know we need to 
first of all, we need to play more games, in my opinion, spread out across a long, a, a bigger period of time. And we need to get the East and West fixtures back and at least three of them. So that's what, that's kind of how I, how I think it should be going next year. Yeah. But I mean, where, where, how do we go about it? I mean, what, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Uh, who do we need to speak to? This is, this well, is the thing. Well, this is the thing. Like I say, I'm hope they've they've actually asked me to be part of the committee to to help with the scheduling, right? To to organise the games for next year, and what you know, I know I, I can't go in and just dictate everything as much as I would love to. But what I would also really like to see is that the league and the union games are played on on um, alternating weekends, right? So at times mm-hmm. we can play league, league boys can come to us, and we can help each other out as well. So ultimately, and then that also gives some players a rest. So that's what I would really love to see. But then obviously just more games, however we can do it, more games over a longer period of time. Because I think also in terms of growing a sport, don't condense it into one month out of 12 in a year. Because then you've got you've essentially got 11 months where no one's playing 15s rugby. So how can you promote and grow a sport when it's played in, in four to five weeks? I really like the the kind of the stuff that other people have come up with with this squad, like hybrid games or, you know, the 10 stuff and just getting people to play. It doesn't have to be 15s necessarily, but getting people to play rugby in places and in areas that are relatively easy for them to get to and that don't require a huge amount of money to to be used to get there. Like I know you guys in the West have started, you know, clubs have started springing up all over the place so you guys can play though like a hybrid league union whatever it is just to just to get games in and just to play games and you can drive there i think the main thing is being able to get a load of lads and drive you know under five hours or whatever you know to, to be able to drive and get to games that is it's is feasible for people to do because it's not feasible for people to fly to three different cities on three consecutive weekends and stay over in hotels like you just can't it's just not possible well, I, I actually said to Adam and uh, Chinny this morning on when we were talking, I said to them, you know what, like, it's just something that came to our mind over the past couple of days. But even next year, when we play Stavanger, we could even do it in Christiansand because it's driving distance for both clubs. And then we could do a developmental game as well at the same time for Christiansand, who are a brand new club, haven't played a lot of rugby, maybe get Horton down or someone like that because everything's within driving distance for both, for both Stavanger and us, right? And so there's things you can do. I'm not saying it's a great idea. It's probably not. But like it's something that came to my mind. And there are things we can do to kind of get people involved and get people playing in these smaller clubs. And I think just on that note, like I, like we've touched upon the last pod, just to get people in involved a bit more interactive from our viewers. If you're a rugby player out there and you've got some ideas on this topic, because I know we've touched upon it a couple of times now, um, but give us your ideas on what you think especially if ed's going to be part of the committee next season give us give us some feedback i think it's the instagram account they can send messages to is that right lads yeah yeah if you've got any ideas about how you think how you'd like it because obviously the boys that are in this pod and a lot of people that listen to this are just mad mad about rugby but then you've got other people which we might not be able to get their voice across this is your chance drop us a line on instagram and let us know what your thoughts would be or how the how, how would you like to see the Norwegian set up? And hopefully it can go straight to the top if Ed gets that position. Yeah, I mean... You could idea, Ed, or what? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, what what I 
if if I do get this position and I've already started speaking to some people in, in different clubs already and I want to get kind of like a general consensus to see if if people want to play home and away games, you know, both home and away in a season like we did last year, which was spread out across what, like six or seven or eight months, something like that. But we played each team home and away. So I'm I'm trying to get a general consensus, see what people feel about that. And yes, yeah, so as I say, if anyone's got any any form of ideas, because ultimately what, what I just, what I want to see is not only from a Blinden perspective or from like the five main teams, but I want to see all these clubs just playing as much rugby as possible and using like the, the waist high player exchange or whatever it is and just get teams out onto pitches on weekends and playing the sport because it's the only way it'll ever grow. No, I mean, <clears throat> good points there. And I think we can, there'll be enough time for us to go over this, you know, later on uh, in the season or, you know, after the season's over or when the dust sells, we can have a look at it. So you mean, um, you, mean, you mean in two episodes when the season's over? Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. Um, well, apparently there was some there was some other rugby this weekend as well, apparently. The World Cup started this weekend, World Cup round one, round one of the pool games. How did you, uh, Tom, you haven't said anything for a while. Did you manage to see any of these games? What games did you see? What, what games didn't you see? I watched Fiji against Wales. And New Zealand against France. And the Fiji against Wales game was an amazing game. It was so yeah, I mean, shall we start? So, I mean, there's, there, was a, there was a few different games on, but there's, I think there's four kind of main games that we can just run through quickly. I mean, other pods have gone through these games in detail, but we can kind of just pick out the main events, I guess. Um, let's start with the best game of the weekend, Wales-Fiji. I mean, what happened there? Fiji choked. Fiji absolutely bottled it. They had a much better team and they managed to lose to Wales. Can't believe they lost. And they had the chances to win. They had two tries, they lost. And then Sammy Randrandra had the chance to win it at the end and he dropped the ball. So yeah, I think Fiji will be absolutely kicking themselves there. I think they should have won that game. And we always bang on about the Fijian skill and the offloading and their and their the skills. I just they just dropped the ball so much, mm. and I don't think we can like excuse them anymore because when you have some of the highest played paid players in the world, like they probably have higher paid players than Wales on average, or like at least their top their top five earners will earn more than the top five earners for Wales, and how is it how we're still looking at them like? oh, it's nice to see them throw the ball around a bit and not like, why isn't this team winning? Why why aren't they winning? Why aren't they beating Wales? Wales have been in disarray for ages. Fiji are up and coming. They've got the best, better players. I can't see many Wales. If you pick the combined team between Fiji and Wales, maybe bigger, maybe a prop, but the rest, you'd probably choose a Fijian. They can't. You wouldn't pick Nick Tompkins and, Gar- and George North in centres over Redradra or Nasibuayu. Like they have better players. They've got to stop. I I, yeah. I I agree there, but like I think at this level, like game management is so big, and when and it tends with the being you know with the guys that pull the strings. Dan Bigger was absolutely phenomenal. 
I, I don't like the guy personally, and I didn't like the way he was talking to some of his players. But uh, that just—I think that just shows his passion, to be honest with you. But they've got an out and out ten there, and I think Fiji were they without their first choice ten. That gets yeah, they were out. Caleb Munts is it their first choice then? Yeah, and their second choice. I think he missed either two or three kicks. So that I mean that would have that would have helped a lot with the with the points. I don't think Bigger missed any. I, I, I don't think you can blame the 10 at all I think the 10 got him into position to score often like I don't think it was his game management that was the problem I think it was the fact that they dropped the ball over the try line they got done for a double movement over the try line Semi Randa dropped the ball when he was in to score that's 15 points and the 10 has got them into that position yeah but my point wasn't that the VG 10 wasn't good enough it was that Dan Bigger was just exceptional about managing the game and put them in a position where Fiji then had to chase the game. That's what, That was my point. Yeah, okay. But Top, that get, shouldn't matter. Did you did you get a little bit nervous then when you realised you had to say that, that you had to try to pronounce the number 13's name for Fiji? Yeah. No, no hope for that name. Naifalewa no, too. He is unbelievable, that He's guy. so good. He had a... Oh, well, my lord. Yeah. And the fact that they could bring on Tuisova as a replacement is just frightening. But yeah, I agree with you, Tom. They they made way too many mistakes. It's kind of very unfijian to drop it that much. And it seemed like they were relying a bit more on forward power than other Fiji teams of the past. They were just trucking it. They were doing one-man runners, but because they're so powerful and such freak athletes, it kind of works. But then they didn't do a lot of kind of chucking the ball around because they were just dropping it all the time. It was really odd. It was really unforgiving. They dropped it all the time. There were so many skill errors by Fiji. And yeah, Wales, all credit to Wales, they won by being Wales. Like They seem to always end up doing pretty well in World Cups at the moment. But yeah, Fiji, disgrace. Um, the Fijian winger, Habosi, he had an absolute cracker as well. Some of the hits he was putting in were mad. Oh my God. He leveled a prop, didn't he? Just leveled him. Like, oh, destroyed him. Yeah. Um, Tom, what, what do you think about the, um, you know, a lot has been said in the press over the past couple of days about the refereeing decisions in that game. So the referee, you know, he would keep on penalising Wales on their, own, on their own trial line, but he only gave one yellow card. Then a few minutes later, he gave four or five consecutive penalties, but not another yellow. Um, and then down the other end, he, they gave Fiji a direct yellow card after one offence yes it was a professional foul but like do you think there was a bit of inconsistency there it comes the ref bashing again not really no to be honest and the ref basher I, i've decided to change my opinion on refs now i'm not interested in whether they get decisions right I'm not interested in whether there's consistency I'm not interested in any of that if the game is good the referee has done well no matter what that, oh, that's it. That's how I'm going to judge the ref from now on. Because the thing that started to frustrate me about refs is the amount of time they take talking about things. It's all the time. Like Angus Gardner in, oh, I can't remember what game he ref, but there was a tiny little scuffle and it was a five-minute lecture about the games you've played in the great spirit so far. Please don't ruin it now. Like two minutes off the clock for him to talk about a tiny scuffle. Don't need to. Just... Do what Matt Carley does. Over there, over there, play on. I think that was Scotland South Africa that game with Gardner. Yeah. So, 
but yeah, like I do get there's like some inconsistency. But I think Matt Carley, two penalties, three penalties, then a yellow card warning them. Then they didn't do it again for a while. Maybe it resets, maybe it doesn't. There's no like hard and fast rules on that in rugby. There's no law that says if you do three penalties within yeah. the five meter line, then it has to be a yellow card. There's no rule. There's no law like that. It's just referee's discretion. So I think he was like, fine. Like maybe I'd have given a yellow card earlier. But I think like the Fiji yellow card, it's a clear yellow card. That mall had gone for like 15 metres and then he pulled it down. If he's a judge to have pulled it down, that has to be a yellow card. That one was very clear cut. The others, I think, are much more judgment. But what I liked about Carly was there was a couple of replays of tackles and I was like, there's head contact there. That could be TMO'd. But it wasn't. It was just play on. It's like, yes, the game just flowed so much better. Because it was a couple of high ones where I was like, oh... And that was both teams. Just like there was a couple of Wales ones I thought were a bit high and a couple of Fijian ones where I was like, that, there's no arm in that. And that ball's been passed about 10 minutes ago. What I would do is I'd take away all of the, the site, all the money that World Rugby spend on like the sighting process, lawyers, consultants, the technology, all that shit. Take all that money and give it to the refs and then just let the refs die their own sword. But because then they'll be happy because they get paid loans, and you and we'll be happy because we can criticise the shit out of them. But it's alright because they've been paid loads, and just do it that way. You so much better. Genius, genius idea. Man. Yeah. Fucking do it. Just do it that way. I'd be a ref. I'd I'd get abused by fifty thousand people if I got paid. I don't know fifty grand a game or whatever. Like it'd be it'd be great. Mate, I'd do it for free. See, <laughs> not fifty thousand people in the same place. Oh my god, could you imagine? Yeah, but Tom, your mentality's not good enough to do that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'd be dangerous. Referee in a World Cup final, clear, try that. I'm just going to fucking disallow it. Just disallow it. I'd be the voice in the back of my head. Just disallow it. <laughs> See what happens. See what happens. Disallow it for a knock-on. Yeah, no, it was a brilliant game. But talking about, you know, Tom, Tom, you're, you know, you're a bit of a lippy, lippy lad who likes to tell people what he thinks. What is everyone's opinion on... Dan Bigger absolutely going off on a guy he's been playing rugby with for what fifteen years, George North, just screaming at him. How 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 do people feel about that? I I agree with what Adam said. I absolutely hate him as a bloke, but you can't you can never question his passion and his his love for his country. I think he's an absolute bell end to be honest with you. Like, but I kind of love it at the same time. Um, I'm 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 really torn. Like, I I really I love it and I hate it. I thought it'd be really tough being a captain. Which is Jack Morgan? He's what, 22? 22, 23? Still up bigger. And then the referee goes up to Jack Morgan and he's got like two or three caps or whatever. And he goes, You need to stop your players from shouting at me. And it's like, How do you tell Dan Bigger to stop shouting at the, uh, to stop shouting at people as like a captain who's got two or three caps? It would be so difficult. I mean, we, we had the, one of the national team coaches, a guy called Mark Allen, uh, a few years back. He used to be the forwards coach for Osprey, so he knew he knew Dan Bigger. And he said that he was the quietest bloke ever. And he was like really nervous before games and stuff like that. He's, he's obviously come a long way since then. because uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting that kind of reaction from him. And like I said, I mean, yeah, I was shocked, but you know, how many times have you played a game and someone's gone off the head and you've gone, mate, it's not a World Cup? He's he's gone off his head. It's a World Cup. <laughs> you kind of like, uh, justified to do it do you know what I mean if they've been training the fact that he knows he's been playing with him he probably knows that they've been training week in week out 
this is what they're supposed to be doing. What the effing hell are you doing there, mate? You know that's not what the game plan is. This is not about you. It's about the unit. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, yeah, don't particularly like him because he wears a whale shirt, but I kind of understand where he's coming from. I feel like he's, you can scream at people if you're, if you're the best player as well, or if you're playing really well. Yeah. If, um, I don't know, someone who had a stinker, Gareth Davis or someone, was out there screaming at people to do the right thing, it's a different look than, you know, Dan Bigger, who was marshalling the troops, win, you know, as you said, winning the game. Winning the game, you know, basically single-handedly, um, plus the defence, of course. But yeah, I think um, I quite like it. I think it's fun. To put it into perspective, right, I just had a look now. So Jack Morgan, the Wales captain, was eight years old when Dan Bigger made his debut for Wales. Yeah. Min. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Tell him to shut up. Jack, go tell him. Control him. He's like, you can't live it. Jack, was it you on the group that when, when Fiji were doing their like their version of the hacker, whatever it is, like Jack Morgan looks absolutely petrified. Yeah, he he, look, he shot himself, didn't he? He absolutely he shot, shot himself. Yeah, yeah. Didn't play like that though. I, I, when have you, have you seen a back row do a cross field kick before that in was, a World Cup game? That was unreal. That kick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it shouldn't be surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. He's a professional <laughs> rugby player. I don't understand. It's not that hard to kick a rugby ball. Like it's not that hard. Like it shouldn't be surprising at all. That should be normal. Every yeah. macro player. Like apart from the props, I'll give the props. They don't probably need to be able to kick. Everyone else should be able to kick off both feet in professional rugby. What else do they do all day? City meetings. Oh yeah, they do. For fuck's sakes. <laughs> it's still. It's still. I mean, it was close. Yeah, it still wasn't the best cross field kick though. That one from the South African ten with the no look. That no look. Oh. Army Libor. Oh, I mean, let's go. Let's go on to that to the Scotland South Africa game. Um, and I mean, South Africa just looked frightening, didn't they? Yeah, and those strips that were crap. Oh, honestly, mate, those strips are almost as bad as Andorra's. Yeah, that was. I wanted them to lose purely because of those kits. I mean, again. Like we've said before so many times on this pod already, who signs off on this stuff? People are getting paid a lot of money to come up with these kits and then sign off on them. It must go through so many people before they get, you know, they get put on South African, put on South African back. The kit that South Africa had on the weekend, it's like something that a kid would do on Microsoft Paint in 2003. Oh, it was so bad. It was grim. I was watching it with the missus and she said, oh my God, they look like football players. And they did, they look like football kits. Arena. Yeah. But like bad, like lower league, like older shot or something, like a terrible yeah. football. Hall- Halifax Town or someone crap like that, that, you know. Yeah. Mine was awful. But I mean, they looked awful, but they got the job done, didn't they? That was um, stifling. All right, Jack and Russ. Jesse Creel, red card. We know you're best in to talk about it. Inconsistency with Tom Curry, Jesse Creel, and some other bloke. It's just yeah. It was a red. Let's do some more ref bashing. What I loved was at the start of the game, the, the two captains were there. <clears throat> Angus Gardner was doing his... I think it was Angus Gardner was doing his spiel about, you know, we'll have a good game, blah, 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 do the coin toss. 
the captains walked off and then Angus Gardner went, wait, 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 hang on. And then he got them back and he went, by the way, the TMO, you know, me and the TMO are going to be talking all game. So you don't need to to ask me to go, go to the TMO for anything. Trust me that I'll do the job right. And they went, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't know how how many minutes in, yeah, Jesse Creel headbutts. I think Hugh Jones or someone, or was it Dempsey I thought? Jesse Creel headbutts in. It's worse than Tom Curry's, I think, because Tom Curry's, the guy's changed his height at the last minute because he's jumping in the air. Jamie Ritchie goes up to him, he goes, can you check that? And Angus Gardner goes, what did I tell you? Trust me, it'll be, you know, we'll check the things that need to be checked. And nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. And I'm not saying, you know, South Africa would have lost the game if they went down to 14 men, but it was just, if Tom Curry's was a red, this was, this was a red. It was as bad, if not worse. You know what was funny, right? Um, Razzy Erasmus came out uh, yesterday or this morning or something. Uh, Razzy Erasmus was like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a red. There's no, there's no head on head contact. Literally, that's what he said verbatim. And up there, like, you can literally see it on every single replay of the incident. Jesse Creel goes in face first into Jack Dempsey. Yeah, what's Razzy going to say? The truth. Anyway, <laughs> question for you with mentality monsters and rugby loving moral ethics people. World Cup final, first minute in, get a head contact. You feel it, the ref misses it. Are you going to go down and milk it for everything it's worth? Or are you just going to get up and play on? Milk it. Milk, milk it. it. 100%. You play, you play the game, don't you? So you're all going to milk it. See, I'd play on because I'm hard. But I'm just saying you like. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a, it's a different question here, isn't it? Because there's the one question of, should that be a red card? I don't think it should. An accidental head on head, that shouldn't be a red card. But World Rugby have decided that that is a red card. And then now in the first weekend, we've had three different incidents. The Tom Curry one, the Namibian one, and Jesse Creel. One was a yellow upgraded to a red. That's now he's now got a three match ban. Uh, if unless he goes to tackle school, then it's too much. Okay. One was a yellow that was not upgraded to a red that was put on report, and one was absolutely nothing. And they all were really, really similar. So someone is doing some. I agree with Tom. Like the ref. This is why I say just give the ref loads of money. The ref makes mistakes in the heat at the moment. Like we've said before, you know they're people to there's high pressure they don't see everything fair enough but then they're going to like a committee with multiple people with no pressure on them with lots of time to make a decision and you still have this wild inconsistency it just it just is stupid like if we don't understand it and we watch rugby every week how the hell are normal like people who they're trying to get involved in rugby going to understand what the fuck's going on it's so stupid i know well the thing that gets me though is when you see something and it's in real time. It's totally different to when you slow it down. When you slow it down, you look at all these different angles and this kind of thing. I think the referee should just have a good uh, have a good feeling about it. He's there in the middle of it. He's seen it for real time. How it's like he's probably heard it. You know what I mean? He can see what the player's been doing in the build up to it. If you just pinpoint one area of the game and you have a look at it over and over again, you you give red cards left, right, and Chelsea. So going to review for me. Unless it's something that the referee has completely missed and didn't look at, and he needs someone else to look at it because he wasn't looking, 
If a referee's seeing it there first hand, he should make a decision. That's what he's there for. That's his job. He shouldn't need to go to a TMO. He should only go to a TMO if he's being honest and go, you know, actually, I didn't see that. Or he consult his, his assistant referees first. If they didn't see it either, go to a TMO. Fine, fair play. But slowing it down and doing all this kind of thing, it's just, I, I just think it's detrimental. Um, Maybe just moving on a little bit, right? In the same game, I want to ask this to Tom. Did you see what Razi Erasmus was doing in the coaching box with the different light colours? Let's say, yeah. Um, what do you think of that? I think that should be, oh, do it, don't do it. It's just pathetic, in it, really? <laughs> it was what? It was flashing it to take to take no, the points or to go yeah, to the corner or whatever. He had like a traffic light system, right? So it was like an, I think it was like an amber light for kick to kick to touch, green light for like kick to post, and there was something else. And he would, then every time you'd see the player with the ball when they get a penalty, like looking up at the coach's box, like, you know, what, what, so Razi was essentially just uh, sending down instructions. I am so anti-coaches. I am so like, as soon as you cross the pit, like it should be 15 on 15 as much as possible on the pitch. Shouldn't be eight subs. There should be loads less subs than eight. It's, t- it's pathetic that there's eight subs. Like more than half your team comes off. When I was growing up, it was embarrassing to be subbed off. Now it's like, oh, I'm only going to play for 50 minutes. I'm going to burn myself out. It's like, you should be embarrassed and humiliated that the game's about to end and you have points down and your coach thinks you're not good enough to score a point for your team. So that's why he's taking you off. You should be humiliated. You shouldn't be coming off high-fiving. You should be like having your head down embarrassed. If in front of 80,000 people, your coach basically said, Tom's not going to get his a point. We'll take him off. Like, that should be humiliating. Shouldn't be like, oh, I can't wait to let the finisher come on. Fuck the finisher. I can't Started agree. the game better than him. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Tom, because the reason why they've had me put all these, you know, rules and regulations about contact and stuff is because they can make eight substitutions. So these guys train with the knowledge that they're going to play 40 minutes. So they get massive, they put these massive hits in, and then all of a sudden, a, f- a fresh front row comes on for the next 40 minutes against someone who's, uh, who's been playing or is, is supposed to be playing for 60 or 70 minutes. No wonder there's going to be injuries. So it's all kind of interlinked. I mean, at the um, in the U- UK at a certain level, I think it's up till tier three. You're only allowed three subs, and that kind of like evens things out a bit because then you've got to be fit enough to pretty much play an eighty, a full eighty, and then obviously, obviously, people start getting tired towards a bit. But imagine like those bomb squad coming on. You've just been doing loads, loads of scrum, and then a, a complete new front row come on, or a big wing, a, a big centre comes on, and he's got fresh legs, and you, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I kind of agree with that, Tom. I don't think they should be. I think like they should choose. Like, like I get the point. Like the, the danger point I say is you have a really fit bloke who's just come on the pitch against someone who's knackered. That's where the injury is going to happen. Two fit blokes against each other, probably not. Two guys that are both knackered, probably not. It's probably that mix where there's got you, you've got the fresh guy against the the knackered guy. So then the solution is just have like roll on, roll off subs, but don't stop the game. So the game's on. You can have fifteen players on the pitch, and then the, some guy on the sideline just has to call them off. And on as the game's going on, like ice hockey, so there's no stops for substitutions. Either do that or cut it down to like three subs, like you say. But with like this eight subs, it's like a compromise between the two, and it's just crap. It's like the second half just slows down so much because the referee and they can't even hold a board up like they're doing football. It's so fucking obvious who's coming off. Don't shout to the referee number three and five. The referee goes number three and six because he's misheard it. 
So then there's confusion. We have to stop for another three minutes because the referee doesn't know what number it is or can't speak Georgian. So now has a clue what number it is. <laughs> I think got enough fingers to do 11. So he's doing this for half an hour. Like, stupid. I can't believe how stuffed it is. And yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, coaches, shut up and watch the game or stand on the touchline and shout, don't have lights. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for you. Like, just stand on the sideline and shout. Or, like, just don't get involved. Or don't get involved. Stop sitting there with your laptop. You don't need a laptop. Watching a game of rugby, judge it. Look at it. Like, it's sport. It's not meant to be this super analysed stuff with a laptop. I don't get why they've got a laptop. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't get why they've got GPS trackers on the game. Like, what's the point of that? I've ran those meters. I don't need you to tell me after whether I'm tired or not. Like, my body feels how it feels. Like, I'll just tell you. Just ask me how I feel and I'll lie. But, like, I don't want that technology snitching on me. I have it in my contract. I'm not having a GPS tracker. Technology snitching on me. Yeah, I don't want it. Get it like gone. The amount of get it gone. Like, the technology turns down the amount of meters you've run and then it's, like, snitching yeah. on you. Uh, oh, you didn't run enough today. You didn't run as yeah, but I didn't need to. We'll play in a game. Do you think Romania? It's, like, it's like that old theory that you know, if you drove a car in reverse, it'll deduct the miles from the uh, from the thing. Like if you ran back, yeah. yeah. But like, I just feel like it's ruining everything. The stats and like lights and now coaches are celebrities. Coaches shouldn't be celebrities. Like players should be like the big ones. Like it's players. Players play the game. I want to see players play. I don't want to see interviews with the coaches that much. Don't want them made into gods. They're not gods. They're old blokes that really don't do that much apart from like a motivational speech which I doubt professional players listen to. Like it's the players. I want to see the players play. That's where the attention should be. That's the interesting right, well, part to me. Not where everyone's holding up lights. Fuck off with your lights. <laughs> let's talk about the players then. And another thing that while Tom's on one, let's let's carry this let's carry this momentum on. And uh, did you see in the tunnel before the game that uh, uh, yeah, Sir Khaleesi leading a leading a singing session out to get his, right. to get his boys. How how do we feel about this? Very Brazilian football. That's fine. That's fine. Don't care. Aaron Smith bringing a stick onto the hacker wave. That's not okay. <laughs> no, but it's not. Why is it bringing like a weapon onto the pitch? Imagine if we brought a sword on to sing our national anthem. Could you imagine the uproar? You know, we're going to go, we're going to sing our national anthem and here's a Knights of Templar next to us with a sword. Uh, we'd be like, oh my God, could you imagine the press if we did that? It's bad enough they're allowed to do the hacker as it is. Do you know how long it, ta- it takes for a game to start now? We have to listen to kids sing, men sing, men sing again, and then a dance. Scrap the lot. I'm sick of it. Just <laughs> run out and start the game. I don't care about your songs anymore. Eat the national anthem. It's just pompous nonsense. Don't care. Just play the game. I I don't get I don't get the whole hacker thing. To be honest with you, I mean, imagine as a player, you've got to do the anthems. I think it's like eight minutes just with the anthems. You you've got out, you've got warmed up, you're ready for a game, and then you've got to stand there and sing, and then you've got to stand there and watch some guys just like pull faces at you and do a dance. I mean. I, 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 I'm not a massive fan of it. I mean, I know it brings in a lot of people to watch the game and they all think it's spiritual and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Just get on with this, play rugby. However, what it does do really, really well is prove my point that warm-ups are bollocks. Because <laughs> what is the point of warming up for half an hour to then stand still for half an hour? Because they go back into the changing room before that as well, don't they? So warm-up, there's no point in doing it. You might as well just 
turn up and play. Because yeah. <laughs> all the benefit of the warmth is now gone because you've stood there in the in the warm or the cold and done nothing for like 10 minutes whilst everything else gone on. I don't really know what to say after that, but we've still got two games to go through. So uh, let's just really quickly wrap up the uh, the main games of the pool round and uh, the fact that go for the opening one, France, New Zealand. How did you guys feel that that went? Were you were you expecting that level of dominance from France or? Right. Well, France didn't even get out of third gear, did they? Which is the most dangerous thing for me. They beat they beat New Zealand without putting in a strong performance. And Antoine Dupont didn't play well. No, so that's, that's terrifying. And that's that's yeah. the scary thing, right? They didn't play well, and they beat New Zealand. So they didn't just beat New Zealand. They beat them. That was the biggest win ever against against New Zealand, wasn't it, in the World Cup? Something like that. Yeah. And it was New Zealand's first ever loss in a group stage in the history of the World Cup. Yeah. And it looked pretty pretty easy for the French. So that's going to be... Yeah. But France, yeah I, thought, like, I thought France played well. Yeah. I don't get why they played badly. Why, 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 why do you think they played they badly? Badly, but I just... I don't think they kind of got into... They, they never really got into fifth gear, right? They never kind of showed off all their attacking prowess. They, you know, they they made a few mistakes and and stuff like that. And you know, I think they, you know, their performance they put in against England, for example, in Six Nations was a lot stronger. They've put in some really big performances in the past couple of years, which were way bigger than that. But you know, and that for me, that 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 is actually scary, right? Because we know, because for me, I see this French team as like right. You know they beat New Zealand, but they can go even better in in the next couple of games, right? Whether it's against whether it's going to be against Ireland in a quarter final or South Africa, whoever it's going to be, but they're going to get better, which is uh, petrifying to be to be frank. And if you're on our side of the draw with England, Australia, Wales, or Fiji, who it's most likely to be, then I'll be shitting myself. For France have been my favourites in the start, to be honest with you, and I think uh, I agree with you, Ed. Um, it's just the strength and depth they've got as well. Like they, they they can replace somebody with someone just as good as well, and you just know, like, okay, Dupont might not have done much, but um, you know he can when he needs to, and he didn't really need to. So, I mean, if you can win a game in third gear, what's the point in going to fifth gear? You've got a lot of games ahead of you, so just you just got to you just got to get that W, and that's what they did, and they ground it out. But saying that, you can never write New Zealand off either. Which is which is exciting as well because they're going to come back now with it like a bear with a sore head, and I would not like to be the next team that are playing against New Zealand because they're just going to come out of the, the blocks and they've got things because they are not very good losers. Uh, they always bounce back. Namibia, yeah, they're going to be on our list. I'm putting I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting New Zealand players in my fantasy this week. I tell you now, <laughs> what is the point in Namibia at the World Cup? Waste of game, isn't it? <laughs> I can't I always want to do the fantasy. I just don't care about these crap teams. Like honestly, Namibia, Romania, that'd be when, a good game. When um, when I was living back in Prague, like after the last World Cup, one of the guys joined uh, one of the clubs in Prague, and he played for Namibia in the World Cup, right? And he signed for one of the Czech teams, and his one and only game in the World Cup in 2019, he started against the All Blacks at number 13. My God, see, I don't class. think he should have that chance. Oh, it's not a good enough player to start against the All Blacks. He doesn't deserve to. The thing is, he was actually like he was okay, but he was a pretty bang average player. And I was there like exactly in the last World Cup, you were 
playing against you lined up against like Sonny Bill Williams. <laughs> it's offensive to Sonny Bill Williams, that. It probably is, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like you like risk mm. yourself to play against that moron. It's like putting you against uh, Chinny. Uh. <laughs> uh. Well, is that the is the, uh, the Norwegian uh. league? The Norwegian rugby league boys. I think they had a game against Greece. Yeah, Greece, and it was whoever won that game. They they, they were quite close to getting to the World Cup. Yeah, um, but I think Greece went in instead, and. I mean, bless them. Can you imagine them playing against Australian rugby? Like, it's like not, it's not safe. Like, it's not safe to 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 do that. But um, yeah, that was Namibia. Good luck, good luck, boys. Go out and uh, give it your best shot. Keep under hundred, lads. Keep under hundred. So when we first started playing for Blinden, on it. Remember, remember that try um, TJ Perinara scored against him in the last World Cup. Oh, oh yeah, that was outrageous. He his way down the blind side and just scored like that ridiculous finish in the corner. Yeah, that was outrageous. Um, right, yeah, so France are good. Yeah. England, Argentina. We've taken an hour to talk about England. We're four English blokes taking an hour to talk about England. Mate, George, George Ford. Ford. He's the yeah. best, he's the best, he's the best manager. He, he's got the best game management I'll probably... Anyone in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. He's is brilliant, anyone, isn't he? Has anyone ever listened to that Squidge Rugby? Yeah. Go and have a look at them. Um, he did um, he did a YouTube video a few years ago about why George Ford is the best number 10 in the world. Go go and watch it now after that performance and uh, like, what George Ford did because he, he, he breaks it down as to why George Ford is so good because he looks like three or four plays ahead and puts people in at the detriment of his, he's not a showy kind of uh, 10. And I just thought it was great for him as, as a player because I've always rated him. And uh, mm. for what, what he did, it was literally, what was it, um, George George Ford versus Argentina that day. But he, I, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. There was just like, for me, there was just small moments in the game, especially in the last kind of 10, 15 minutes where it just showed, right? So it wasn't even him kicking the points. It was, for example, like they would kick it right down the pitch and he would be in the 22, he'd catch it. He had all this open space, but he just calls a mark and he just wastes another minute. Mm. And it's perfect, right? He just slows the game down. He gives Argentina absolutely nothing, slows down absolutely everything, takes a minute and then smashes it into touch right down the pitch. Yes, we don't have the throw in ourselves, but we're gaining all that territory. So it's just small things like that he did, which for me just shows like he's so, so intelligent. And he did... He did the exact same, I think, his last season at Leicester when they won the Premiership. I think it was a semi-final, and Leicester got a yellow card or a red card, and he did the exact same thing. There was about 15 minutes left, and I've never seen anyone control a game like that in my life, and he won it for them. He's mint. Simple as that. He's yeah. mint. So he'd be, even if Farrell came back, you'd have him starting, you think? I Well... The thing is, mm, best man in the world, and now you're not sure whether you'd start him or not. Farrell, no, 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 no. Farrell, Farrell misses the next game, right? He's missing the Japan game as well through a suspension. But I think, I think what will happen is against Samoa they'll bring back Farrell. But then, you know, when it gets to knockout rugby, and I don't think this is a good idea. I think they'll put the axis of uh, Farrell and um, sorry Ford and Farrell back at ten and twelve, which 
I don't agree with. I think it needs to be forward with two out and out centres. Um, but unfortunately, you know, Borthwick has made Farrell captain and Farrell will play. I don't necessarily agree with it, especially the form that Ford's in at the moment. I think he's got to start. And uh, what did you guys make of, I mean, firstly, I think, yes, Ford played brilliantly well. Um, but I think the back, the kind of back five, well, four when Curry went off of Chesham, Law, Zatoji and Bernal were absolutely unbelievable in that game. The the Argentinian back row is meaty and violent. And those four just... I've, I haven't seen us dominate a team physically for, for a while, actually. And um, those four were those four were unbelievable. I think Tulangi also had a great game. Um, I didn't see it again. But did we score a try? No. No. George Ward mm-hmm. scored all of that. Why, why didn't you see the game, Tom? What were you doing? I was... Uh, I had a fake. work relay thing and then I was out socialising with work. So I watched it on my iPhone, but I didn't really watch it. I was just checking to make sure we were going to win. And then it looked like we are going to win. So I didn't really focus on it too much. But yeah, so we didn't score a try. No, I don't remember too much of the game because we had a great set. We were in Cafe 33 in Oslo. And we'd got a, a whole load of booze. So the whole team with uh, Savangu, we were all around there watching the, watching the big screen, uh, singing songs and chopping beers and stuff. So I, I just yeah, I kind of just kept looking at the score now and then. But yeah, uh, I was quite happy with what the performance. So to be fair. But that was with the Stavanger team, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah, we all watched. Yeah, it sounds awful. awful. <laughs> so I'll go over there as well. We were singing very loud. So. Oh, could it get worse? Confused of 30, I've never like an hour with less. I've never felt so angry on a rugby pitch as I did in the first game where we got obviously spanked by Stavanger at home and these boys were out there singing their song on the pitch. I was absolutely fuming. I swear, I, I swore to myself that I would never talk to a Stavanger player ever again <laughs> after that day. <laughs> you were, well, Jack? Yeah. Oh, God. I hated it so much. Yeah, it's all about culture right now, though. It's about mentality and culture. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's the other thing as well. The amount, I think like Richie and a few others, they came up to me like during the game or after the game on Saturday and they're like, you know what? Like, I really like Tom, but what the fuck is he talking about with all this mentality stuff? Like he's so wrong. It's so weird because, you know, like football is that massive sport that like dominates with all the best athletes and stuff. They all think mentality is bollocks. Couple of my mates who play football, they totally agree with me. They just think it's daft. They think rugby is just so daft that it gets so sidelined by this mentality thing. Like, yeah. pick skill. Skill is so much more important. Mentality is for like average people to make themselves to push. Mentality is Charlie Yules. That's mentality for me. Charlie <laughs> Yules. I cannot understand how he's anywhere near a professional club. His mentality must be unbelievable. It was quite interesting for me because, like I said, we had it with the seven seven of us in the car. And we had the pod on, and we were listening to it, and it was weird, kind of like it was quite nervous actually because you're like you, you, you seeing people's reactions, and there's like six other guys there that listened to it. But every time you spoke, Tom, everyone's going, "What? What is he on about? He hasn't got a clue." I was like, that was so good to see. I was like, no, but he's actually he's a really nice guy. He's actually really funny. He's like, yeah, but what mentality means nothing. Oh. Well, it means a bit, but it's like it's not the be all and end all like rugby makes it out to be. Like, 
It's like I could put, I could get a syringe of mentality, pump it in Ed, and he'd be the best player in the world. That's how, <laughs> that's how people make out mentality in rugby. It's like, no, I'd just still be wank. What's really annoying about Tom is the more you listen to him, the more sense he makes. He's like a, he's like a cult leader, and you find yourself getting sucked into what he thinks, I, and then agreeing with him more and more. I actually agree with that, apart from this whole mentality thing. But the best example is Freddie Stewart, right? Oh yeah. How right was I about Freddie Stewart? Oh my god! At the start, we were all like, "No, Freddie Stewart's amazing. He's amazing." Tom was like, "No, he's not. He's absolutely shit." And now, both me, you, and Ben—I don't know what Adam's like—but the rest of us are like, "Yeah, Freddie Stewart, shit." And like, even the big pundits are saying it now as well. The the, the mistakes <laughs> and the flaws I pointed out about six months ago, when everyone was saying he was the best fullback in the world, and now saying I wouldn't even start it. I wouldn't even have to bunt. You wouldn't even be on the bench because his biggest skill is catching the ball. And that's just an expectation of a fullback. Like, you should be able to catch the ball at a fullback. Like, it's not that hard. The moment that somebody saw a day. The, the day that some of these pundits come out and actually, like, especially the really big ones and say that Freddie Stewart is shit, like, I, I, Tom's ego is going to go through the roof. Yeah. Well, I'm right. Just... Totally right. Marcus Smith completely outplayed him in the, like, four minutes he played at fullback in those. Warm-up games. Created more than he did. And guess what? Mark Smith can also catch a rugby ball. So like, New Zealand are smart. Play, play your best play. Like, if you can't fit your, both, both your best tens in and one of them's quick, you play him at fullback. I think we should make a campaign that, Tom, you're... Because obviously they're going to stream the final, the Norwegian final. I think we should make a campaign that you're one of the commentators. At least do a pre-match review, like, on the stream. Or, or even be a commentator because I'd just love to see your opinion and just say then, the most controversial thing. Do you know what we need to do afterwards, right? We need to do we need to do a waist high pod live special from the Dubliner after the final. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, that would be so because they've got that little stage in there as well. That would be so fun. Right, here's a question: You're sick. You're ill. You're going to die. Do you want to go to the doctor with the best mentality or the doctor <laughs> with the most skill? What do you want to go to? Who would you go to? The doctor with the best mentality? The one who really, 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 really wants to save you? Or the one who can actually save you but thinks you're a drip, who thinks you're a dickhead, everything, everything. It's just completely comparable. Like, I can't understand for the life of me your, like, mentality obsession. In rugby, I can't get, I don't get it. Skill. Choose talent. Talent is so much more important. You've heard it here first. The Waste iPod is going live we're going to do a live tour around norway we're going to do it at the local bars and every place where there's a where there's a league or a union team tom we're going to go on tour mate and uh, we're going to get people to do live questions and answers so save some of that venom for then i think it would be amazing that would be so- i can't believe it honestly i can't believe it the scam just the pure scam the fraudulence of it just blows my mind mentality obviously right. everyone wants to win everyone wants to win like, how right, they that's, enough. that's enough, mate. That's enough. We've had about an hour of Tom ranting about mentality in the last three pods. So I think that I think people know what you think about mentality, mate. It's fine. Um, don't, don't ask any questions about it then. It's your job as host, Jack, <laughs> to not to not let these two wind me up about it. I was trying to wind you up about the hacker and see Khaleesi singing, but you didn't. You didn't. You hook on that. You're still buying on about mentality. Anyway. Um, yeah, round one over the World Cup. The teams that we thought were going to do well have done well. 
Um, join if you're still listening after this this absolutely shambolic episode of Tom just going off for ages. If you are still listening, please sign up for the Waste High Fantasy League. Um, the we'll drop the code on on Instagram. Send in messages, questions, anything on Instagram as well, and we'll try and answer. Yeah, and um, games next week. Obviously, the Stavanger Blendon game has unfortunately been I've been called off. And then is it Stargana Bergen? Trondheim Bergen? Might be Trondheim Sargana? I don't know. What's the what's the next game? Not too sure. No. Oh well, someone whatever it is, there's another game. There's there's one game next week and we'll and we'll go over that next there week. There is because League Halkson. Halkson are playing Lillistrum in Lillistrum and they need an extra player. So if anyone's listened to this again before Saturday and you want to play in Lidlstrom this weekend in Rugby League, let us know. Yeah, and Sandness, sorry, and then Sandness are playing the Capitals on Saturday as well. Yeah. Trondheim have got Sargon at Trondheim this weekend as well. Right, okay. So that'll be, that'll be a fun game. So, um, yeah, I think we've done, we've gone well over. So there we go. Um Thanks a lot, gents, for for joining joining us today. Um, and yeah, yeah, thanks, Jack.